Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me. Very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Y'all, today's the kind of day where my breakfast is leftover cookie cake from work. <laughs> <laughs> what a winning day. Jeez. Yeah, it's a good start. Hello, and welcome to Feeling It. This week, as always, we'll start by going around the circle and telling you what we're feeling this week, which piece of pop culture we simply can't get out of our heads. Then we'll cover some of the biggest pop culture news from the week. And finally, we'll share our thoughts and feelings on Atlanta, the new show from FX. Uh, But before we do any of that, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, Every week we do so by answering like a different pop culture question. So today, in honor of this week's uh, big Apple keynote event, my question is, what is your favorite variety of apple to eat? Lawson, let's start with you. It's a very tech-centric question, but I think I will tackle it well. my name is Lawson Soward. I'm an art director in Nashville, Tennessee, and my my favorite kind of uh, apple is Honeycrisp apples. All right, on. Is that the one that featured in an episode of Planet Money? Did any of y'all hear that? It wouldn't surprise me. It's like a marvel of science, and they're engineered to be the most delicious. Yeah, they had a whole episode about, like, inventing new apples and copywriting them. Oh, that's why they cost money. They're worth that money. Those apple cups. All right. <laughs> I'm Luke. <laughs> I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area, and I don't like apples, but if I'm going to eat <laughs> one, it's going to be a Granny Smith apple. My favorite kind of apple is a pear. I'm Lucas. <laughs> That's true. Classic Lucas. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and I enjoy a good Fuji apple. Nice. Ugh, gross. I like Fuji. And I, uh, wait, like the place or the water bottle or the The film, (laughs) the camera film, all of it, man. All of it. Except for the the apple. Everything except the apple. Contrary. (laughs) is right. (laughs) I hate things, guys. I hate things. (laughs) And my name is Brent Bailey. I work in tech in Chicago, Illinois, and I write about uh, faith and pop culture online. And my favorite kind of apple is a nice crisp gala apple. I had one of those for lunch just about every day in college. And you know what? It did not keep the doctor away. Um, Okay, so earlier I deceived you all just a little bit. We're actually going to introduce a quick new segment called Staff Transitions. Kind of a sad announcement on my part. This is actually going to be my last uh, regular episode of Feeling It. Uh, I'm no longer going to be a regular contributor. I will probably crash this party every now and then when I have strong feelings about... Uh, Big movies or big books, Uh, but for now I'm going to be leaving the show in the hands of three very capable, uh, competent hosts. And in fact, let me have them tell you uh, about a few other changes to the show. So, uh, because Brent is going to be leaving us and we're very sad to see him go, um, we are going to be changing our posting schedule just a little bit. We, in the past, have been posting our episodes on Monday mornings. And now we'll be posting them on Wednesday morning. So we still expect to be reviewing recent movie releases. You'll just get them a day or two later in the week. So it'll be a nice pick-me-up in the middle of your work week. There you go. 
Uh, we're going to be changing the name of the show to... Oh, I was trying to come up with a hump day feeling it post, and or, I got nothing. Humping it. I am officially... Oh, gosh. Gosh. We are now humping it, so... All right. Check your iTunes for humping yeah. it with Lawson, Lucas, and Sandra. And ironically enough, we will be losing our explicit tag. Um, <laughs> yeah. There will be no more profanity or talk of illicit we'll things. much more PG-rated. Um, All right. Just well, really graphic uh, podcast art. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move into one of our favorite segments, what we're feeling this week. All right, Lawson, let's start with you. What are you feeling this week? All right, what I am feeling this week is a trailer that I saw for the upcoming Netflix documentary, Justin Timberlake and the Tennessee Kids. Um, Whenever 2020 came out, it was all I could listen to for pretty much that whole year. It was a really, really incredible album, and there's been just enough distance between it now to where it's not like super saturated it doesn't feel dated um it's just long enough away for me to remember like oh yeah that was a really good pop album and is like not part of my rotation anymore um but the trailer came out for this netflix or netflix got the rights to uh, put out this documentary uh it's going to air at the toronto international film festival on the on tuesday but um it's going to be heading to the to netflix on october 12th um, so it's directed by Jonathan Dim, who's awesome. Uh, they, he did Neil Young's 2006 documentary, Heart of Gold. And, um, I don't know if you guys ever saw Ricky and the Flash, that movie last year. Yeah, um, the Meryl Streep movie. Yeah, yeah, he directed that. Um, so he's done a bunch of really good, um, music-related film stuff in the past. And, uh, I, I didn't get to go to the, this tour, but... I'm excited to kind of get my second chance at a front row seat. So the trailer is on YouTube. Go and get as excited as me um, because I think this it looks really, really promising. And I can't wait to see it. Lawson, I heard that actually all of the concert shots were shot from like the sixth or seventh row because they really want to keep those front row seats at a premium. So you'll be you'll be close, but, you know, not quite front row. <laughs> uh, maybe I could go to uh, the Netflix equivalent of StubHub and pay... 20 times as much for my subscription this month to get the seats. There you go. Yeah, I'm pumped about this as well, Lawson. I think Justin Timberlake is just such a great entertainer. And um, we haven't, as far as I know, I haven't seen any kind of concert documentary from him before. Um, I'm also just a big fan of concert documentaries. As someone who doesn't go to a lot of concerts, I like the experience of watching it from my home, carefully edited, and <laughs> just like all of the best reactions and moments in crystal clear color. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan, and I'm excited for this to come out. Yeah, I've been watching the On the Run tour, which is on HBO Go, HBO Now, um, a lot lately because uh, Nashville's Beyonce concert, which is going to be the last stop on her world tour, very excited about that. It's, it's um, not going to be. Why are you doing this to me on I'm the sorry. air? Why <laughs> yeah. would you do that? <laughs> when did that change? What is it? I thought it was the last stop. It was going to be the last stop in the U.S. And then she had to go on vocal rest and postpone one of her recent concerts to October 7th. <clears throat> well, I'm still excited about the concert, but that is very <laughs> disappointing. Um, nonetheless, it has meant that... Uh, Lindsay and I have been watching On the Run a lot lately to get hyped for it. And yeah, concert shows, especially for like these, you know, top five performers in on the planet are just 
incredible. So I'm I'm stoked for Justin to get one out. Because I've, I've never seen him in concert or any of that. So I remember watching the Disney Channel NSYNC concert back in 1998. But other than that, I haven't seen him. Rumor has it that NSYNC might make another little appearance in this Feeling It segment. But we will see. Uh, but thank you, Lawson. Thank you for that pick. Uh, great suggestion. All right, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Um, this week I'm feeling Alan Rickman's final live-action performance, Eye in the Sky. Um, have you guys seen this movie? I haven't. No, I remember the trailers, though. It really intrigued me. It, yeah, it, it, it's actually really good. I was really excited about it. It, uh, it. it takes a look at basically the cooperation of military forces around the world and what it looks like to command drone strikes from basically your living room um it jumps back and forth between different characters it's in kind of a uh i'm not gonna say love actually type situation but that's probably the closest <laughs> i can, I can get actually. to it where it's just i know right yeah war <laughs> actually uh we're basically it's, it's a it's like seven different characters around the world in different situations and how they all kind of end up interacting in this um in this basically anti-terrorist mission in kenya um, it's, it's got a really good cast that does really well besides Alan Rickman, who is my favorite. Um, it's got a fantastic performance by, um, Helen Mirren and, uh, Aaron Paul plays a, a drone, drone, drone pilot in Las Vegas. And, uh, this is my, my, I guess, first look at, um, Barak, Barak performance since Captain Phillips. So... He was a. Uh, if you guys remember him, he was the uh, Somali pirate, pirate from Captain Phillips. Um, oh this yeah. Is his f- yeah, he got nominated for an Academy Award for it, and uh, this is his first foray back into, <laughs> back into that world. So. Is he also the captain now in this? He is. He is. Okay. He. He's, that's all he says. That's Military his only line captain. in every movie from now on. Is, okay, okay. I'm the captain now. No, he plays a. Uh, captainship. <laughs> <laughs> he plays a, a a Kenyan insurgent on the ground. He's a, I guess this a, one of Helen Mirren's spies. But um, I, I I really like just kind of how how much cooperation it takes to you know pull off a uh, a capture a capture mission or a kill mission or something like that. Um, just because of the political atmosphere, you have to have legal teams weigh in and politicians weigh in and um, different you know, different military commanders from different nations weigh in on all of this stuff. And it's, it's just not as simple as it used to be. I do think it simplifies, uh, drone warfare a little more than it, it should, but overall I thought it was a really fantastic look at, um, this modern warfare that we're in. All right. Lucas, where can we watch that right now? You can watch it on, um, it's, it's available on iTunes, I think for rent. Um, and it's definitely available on Amazon for four ninety nine if you want to deal. Cool. Well, thank you, Lucas. All right, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? This week, I'm feeling a brand new reality show, surprise, surprise, called um, (laughs) Finding Prince Charming. Yes. It's it's a show from Logo that most people have been referring to as the Gay Bachelor. Uh, It's a bachelor-type dating show, um, but for gay men. So it features... um, a Prince Charming, who is kind of the bachelor substitute, and um, several gay men from across the country that are competing for his love. Um, The guy who is playing Prince Charming, is his name is Robert Sepulveda, and um, 
Lance Bass is the host of this show. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun watching this show. Now, I do need to preface this by saying I would not call this a good reality show. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, I have a lot of problems with it. Um, as a piece of entertainment, but I, there's also a lot of things that excite me. Um, one of the problems that I have with it is that, uh, oh, first I should say, Brent, I believe, did you tune in for this? Yeah, I caught the first episode yesterday. Okay, so one of my biggest <clears throat> problems is that I think that Robert, the main uh, bachelor suitor, Prince Charming, is one of the most boring people I've ever seen on television. I would he, agree. He is so dull. He, I, I hate when he's on screen. And of course, because he is Prince Charming, he is on screen quite a bit. Um, he's incredibly beautiful. I will give him that. But uh, his interviews, his talking with the other guys, is there's just not much going on in those conversations. Um, so that really harms the show. Um, one of the other things that kind of harms the show is that this is the first time they're doing something like this. So there's a lot of inexperience, I think, that shows through in the production. Um, the Bachelor is a show that has, like, nailed its shit down. Like, they know how to run a dating show. They've been doing it for years. Right. And... Um, you can really tell that the, the people who are running this show are newbies. Um, one of the most obvious signs of that is in the episode, uh, you know, in The Bachelor, when at the end of the episode, there's a rose ceremony where The Bachelor gives a rose to all the girls who he wants to stay continuing on in the show. And in Finding Prince Charming, they decided that instead of a rose ceremony, because that's The Bachelor's thing, they have a tie ceremony where Robert, the main bachelor, puts on ties on the men that he wants to stay. And it's this incredibly awkward fumbling moment where he's trying to yeah. put a necktie <laughs> over on a grown man. Um, yep. Get clip-ons. One of Problem them solved. wasn't wearing a colored shirt. That was really in unfortunate. Oh, my gosh. And... They also don't have it's bro tanks all the way around. <laughs> they, they also don't have like a good, like it doesn't run smoothly. Like with The Bachelor, I know we're I'm making a lot of comparisons to The Bachelor, but you know he calls up each girl that he wants to give a rose, and then at the very end, you know which girls didn't get a rose, and those are the girls that go home. And this show, I guess, in order to kind of maintain some sort of surprise and tension. He calls each person up one by one and tells them why he wants them to stay. And then every now and then, one of the people he doesn't want to stay, he have to he has to say to them, like, I don't want you to stay. You won't be getting a tie. And that person has to, like, awkwardly walk away. And <laughs> it's a very strange setup. Um, but those are some of the main issues I had with it. Some of the things that I love about it are the guys that are cast on the show, with the exception of Prince Charming. Um, there's a lot of really great personalities. Um, one in particular that I'm obsessed with is a guy named Robbie. He mm -hmm. showed up with so much charm and excitement, and he's incredibly funny. He always has a quip to say to someone. Um, 
I don't think that Robert will be picking him, but I hope that Robbie stays on the air for as long as possible. Um, and we also have a villain set up very early on. His name is Sam. He's kind of a bro from Chicago who in the very first episode picks a fight with Robbie over being dramatic and over the top. Um, and I am really excited to see this dynamic played out. Um, Brent, what are some of your thoughts of this episode? How did you watch it? Was it fun? What's your take on it? Yeah, I agree with almost everything you said. Um, I had more fun with this show than I was expecting. I kind of feel like the best and worst thing you can say about it is that, like, in the wide world of, like, reality TV, this is just kind of boring. Like, and I don't know if that just, like, if that's, that kind of says something about, like, 2016, um... The idea that, like, we could have a show like this and it wouldn't feel... I mean, it's surprising that we haven't had a show quite like this. There have been a few other queer or gay-themed um, dating shows, but they always had some kind of huge twist, usually related to, like, some of the guys actually being straight or some of the guys playing straight or something. So this is the first time where we've ever... To my knowledge, it's the first time we've ever just had a, like, very straightforward um, gay dating reality show. Um but uh, yeah, I kind of wish they would just, um, they would, I was hoping that they would do something more interesting or new or unique, um, because of the, that like unique element of the show. Um, they have kind of this, like this mechanic when they're all meeting each other where, um, they put all the guys together in just like a little, um, bar kind of area and they don't actually know who the, who Prince Charming or who the bachelor is going to be. So they're all kind of meeting each other and then finally they reveal it. And obviously that's something you wouldn't be able to do if it was 25 women going after one man. Um, but I've just kind yeah. of been surprised how much this just feels like a very straightforward, um, sort of like bachelor kind of format for a show like this. Uh, but I agree. There's a lot of really interesting men. I think that you're right that, um, the main guy is probably the least interesting in the room. Um, it is also really like part of what's so interesting to me about watching it is just, um, kind of like paying attention to a lot of the dynamics of like how people identify themselves and how they react to each other. Like you said, like right at the beginning, there's kind of this, this feud that erupts between Robbie, who's, uh, who's kind of more like stereotypically flamboyant or femme. And then Sam, who is kind of more of a gay bro. Um, and you kind of see those different gay types, um, kind of being at odds a little bit uh that kind of stuff is really interesting to me i'll be curious to see as we get closer to the um last episode what they're kind of the language they use or kind of the um goal they have for this couple because in a show like the bachelor um <clears throat> it's it's usually a much more kind of traditional marriage narrative where the the hope is that they'll get engaged and i'll be curious to see in this show if if marriage is ultimately the goal they're working towards, so far all the language they've just been used they've been using is something like, I want to find somebody I can commit to or somebody I can spend my life with. Um, and I'll be kind of yeah, so I'll be really curious to see kind of how if the if they ultimately land on kind of more of a heteronormative note um, or take it in a much more kind of queer direction. But yeah I, yeah, I will I'll be watching this show. I think it is doing interesting enough stuff, but um, I would agree that like in some ways it's not like phenomenal TV. Yeah, there Lance Bass did an interview that I read where he says that he thinks that this show is much more realistic than something like The Bachelor. And he even said in an interview, he's like, no one's getting engaged at the end of this show. He said it's like that's not the goal of this show in the way that it is with The Bachelor. And on a certain level, I appreciate that. I appreciate, like, being more realistic about what these relationships actually are, you know, versus 
The Bachelor, where it's like, you sh- these two people should not be getting engaged after, like, three mm-hmm. months of mm-hmm. knowing each other on a television show. Um, but at the same time, I don't watch reality TV for, like, reasonable, realistic relationship expectations. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, the... Oh, one thing I did want to um, ask you, Brent, Brent, is like, do you have a favorite? You know, one. I think it's always fun at the premiere episode of one of these shows to see like who your front runner is and then how that pays off at the very end of the season. I do have a couple favorites just for myself. Um, I don't know necessarily who I would put with um, who I would put with. Tell me his name again. I can't even remember the Robert. name. Robert. Yeah, so I do have a few favorites. Um, I don't know who I'm, I would necessarily put with Robert in terms of who feels like a good match for him. Um, Chad was a guy that was cracking me up. He's kind of a shorter, stockier guy, and he just had a lot of pretty sarcastic commentary. There was like a bit about him being flexible, quote-unquote, that like Ch- got a lot of laughs. Chad um, is one of the older contestants, but he seems the most boyish. Um, yeah, he's got I a real like, really playful fun. charm to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we kind of pinned, um, the folks I was watching with, we kind of pinned Eric, um, as the most likely winner just because in terms of like height and like handsome quotient, he's probably the closest match for Robert. So for us, he's kind of the Jordan. Um, if you watch the last season of the bachelorette, he's kind of the Jordan in terms of just like the obvious knockout in the room that, you know, he's at least going to make it to like the final three. Um, and yeah, I do hope that, um, they keep Robbie around as long as possible. Um, I'll be very surprised if he makes it into like the final, um, the final rounds, but I think he, he's somebody I just really enjoy having in the room. What about you, Sandra? I am in love with Paul. Paul is the older guy who has the dead fiance. Um, and I, I really appreciate him as soon as like, Every moment he's on screen, and he got a lot of screen time, I was really was really into everything he was saying and every everything about who he was. Um, I also am a big fan of Brandon. Brandon, I think, is probably the hottest person there, and that was something that Robert even like noticed in that like, is Brandon here to hook up or is Brandon here to date date me? You know, that's a mm-hmm. ongoing question about this show, and I do want to bring that up because one of like the things about having a gay bachelor has always the jokes. And then also some people maybe say some of the flaws is that why would all these men date be on the show to just date this one guy when they could just date each other. Um, And to me, that is one of the, that's the beauty of this show is it can be so much more interesting because two of the guys in the house could fall in love. I'm crossing my fingers that that happens because that would be a much more interesting show. Um, so Brandon is, I think, the most attractive person in the house, and so probably the one that's going to get hit on the most. Um, but I also like him for Robert. So that those are my those and Chad. I'm a big Chad fan as well. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to keep watching. Um, a favorite comedian of mine, Guy Branham, hosts a hosted an after show on Facebook Live after watching this premiere, and he, he probably will continue to do that. So if you're looking for someone to have, like, really great, funny, gay commentary afterwards, Guy Branham is someone I would recommend looking up. And if you're watching this show, let me know, because I'm always going to be excited to talk to people about it. Yes. 
It's unclear at this point how many episodes it's going to be. They started with only 13 folks, and then I think they only cut, like, two last night. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm in. Okay, well, yeah, great choice, Sandra. Thank you so much for talking about Finding Prince Charming. Like I said, I was watching it yesterday, and I was like, oh, man, I have thoughts on this, but I don't know if I'll be able to share them on the podcast, so I was really <laughs> glad to hear you say Got it in. Finding Prince Charming. Awesome. Yes. Okay, well, what I am feeling this week is uh, music, which is rare for me, as we all found out in the uh, Endless Quiz episode. Um, but uh, this week I'm feeling two of the uh, preview tracks from uh, the new album from composer Oliver Davis. Uh, the album is called Dance. It comes out on September 30th. Um, I first encountered Oliver Davis's music through an album called Flight. Uh, it came out last year, I think in April, um, and it was a collection of pieces he had written um, kind of for this violinist uh, named Carenza Peacock. Uh, she's got a really fun Twitter presence, um, and she sounds amazing on all of his albums. Um, and so uh, Flight was Oliver Davis composing for uh, Carenza, this violinist, and, and she was playing with the London Symf- uh, excuse me, she was playing with the London Symphony Orchestra. Uh, so I was totally addicted to that album last summer. And even this past week, I had to have long, like an hour-long uh, dental procedure um, that was like kind of miserable. And I just like popped in my headphones and turned on flight, and it was like actually really pleasant and bearable. Um, so Davis's music is really lovely. It's really delicate, um, but it feel it kind of feels like a almost like a poppier, more accessible style than what I typically think of as like classical music. Um, so it does feel like a kind of nice gateway or entry point. Um, his second album last year um, was called Seasons, and <clears throat> excuse me, and it was a um, sort of covers or almost like maybe kind of remixes of some of Vivaldi's um, Seasons uh, with kind of his own takes on some of it. Uh, that's also a really fun album, but I haven't listened to it nearly as much as um, Flight. So, yeah, currently there are two tracks from um, Dance, his new album, that are streaming on Apple Music, um, which, again, I kind of get lost in all of the, like, streaming services wars, and I had to, like, borrow somebody else's phone to listen to these tracks because I <laughs> am not an Apple Music subscriber myself, uh, but I'm very, very psyched for this album. Uh, since I can't play anything from Dance, I want to play a quick clip from Flight. Uh, this is probably my favorite track on the album. It's a piece called... Skyward. Okay, so yeah, that was a little clip from Skyward. That was my song last summer when um, I I lived about 10 minutes from where I worked, <clears throat> and so I could usually walk to work um, through this small park that was near our apartment, and just about every day I would end up turning that on as I was walking through the park, and it was kind of just something out of a dream. So definitely check out Oliver Davis, um, start with Flight, and then in a couple weeks make sure and check out Dance as well. 
this just proves to me that Brent is living his best life and the rest of us <laughs> needs to get on our game with our park walking and our like, <laughs> classical music listening. It sounds like all of us are living our best life this week. Uh, all of us all around. I'm planning on living my best life in the first weeks of October. Yes, it Bingo. sounds like that's coming soon. <laughs> that's what you get for an anticipatory feeling in vote. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and move on to uh, our news segment. Um, this week, one big story that we wanted to discuss. Uh, Wednesday featured the newest big keynote and product announcements from Apple, including new versions of the Apple Watch and the iPhone, as well as lots of big updates and news about uh, iOS 10 and uh, Watch OS 3. Uh, and of course, there were plenty of smaller announcements to round out the day, like new apps and new games um, and new accessories and even a little cameo from Sia. Um, so obviously, this is a little kind of... Um, this is sort of new territory for us, but we just kind of wanted to talk reactions to uh, the keynote, uh, both in terms of what was announced and also just kind of the cultural phenomenon of it. Uh, so what did y'all think? What stood out to you from the Apple keynote this week? Who, did any of y'all watch it live? Yeah. I did. I, I watch did. it live every single year, but this year I was on a food video shoot, and so I was like, watching pizza get lit perfectly instead. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it like two hours later, but I did stream the whole thing. Gotcha. Oh, man. I would say the biggest thing that you did not mention is that Mario, that they're doing a new Mario game for iOS. Yeah. Which means we're that Super much closer to Mario Kart <gasps> for the phone. I didn't even think about that. Yes. If they're partnering with Mario, that means at some point we could get Mario Kart and all of its glory on our phones. Fingers which crossed, be baby. The best thing that ever happened. I feel like that's the reason Nintendo's stocks went up like a billion, jillion dollars when Pokemon <laughs> Go was so successful, was because people were like, oh, they're doing phone stuff now. That's yep. huge. Yeah. What are you guys excited about? I'm excited about the new phone. Um, I have already placed my pre order for the iPhone 7 Plus. Um, I, I'm really only buying this new phone because of the camera. I'm really excited to see like what this camera is like. I have an iPhone six currently, so I'm excited to get like a nice two version upgrade and cell phone camera quality. Um, I got that seven plus and I'm really excited about that zoom lens and the possibility of having that bokeh feature later on in the year. Um, yeah, I that's my biggest thing. I can't wait to start taking pictures with this new phone. Say what you want about Apple, but they're killing it on the cameras every every year. Yeah. Without a doubt. Oh, yeah, their photos are incredible. I'm also really excited that they've upgraded their um, front-facing camera. I love a good selfie. So a mm -hmm. high-quality front-facing camera is something that I'm always in, in search of. I I think the feature I'm most excited about is the water and dust resistance. Definitely. Um, just being able to, like, have your phone in the shower or, you know, like, obviously you shouldn't take underwater photos with it for a long time. It's not completely waterproof, but not having to worry about that. Like, if someone pushes you in the pool, like, you can jump out immediately without being like, well, there went $800. Um, is such an upgrade. And to me is worth the losing the headphone jack, but I know that was like a huge thing that people were really upset about. To me, it didn't bother me that much, but um, I don't 
listen using my iPhone, just like my iPhone and headphones very much. So, so I, I view the loss of the headphone jack the exact same way I view the loss of the floppy drive and the CD drive. Apple has consistently removed items probably like a good year before they should but it's the they're 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 the only people who i think can move the industry forward in that respect is if apple didn't remove the floppy drive we would have used floppies for a lot longer than we should and same thing for for cds um and that's where i mean i think this will be this will be painful for some people for a little bit but this is where we gotta go yeah i think like whenever they first removed cd drive it's like how are you gonna go and do that but now there's like (laughs) I still definitely need the use of a USB CD drive, but I use it like twice a year maybe, and the rest of the time I don't have to carry all that around on my laptop. Um, mm-hmm. And for this, I think it's a similar thing. Like I'll probably um, keep that dongle on the aux cord that's in my car so that I can plug in my iPhone. And other than that, like I don't know that I'll need it very much. So I, I think in a couple years, the ear pods or whatever will be yeah. um last long enough and have all this, you know. Once I get GPS in there, then I'll be really, really on board. <laughs> <laughs> I have like I always have such an interesting relationship with like newer Apple devices because it does seem like kind of part of what's differentiated them from a lot of other brands for a long time is um they they ask a lot of trust from their users um in terms of like trust us that we've figured out the best way to do this or the most efficient way to do this or the most effective way. So even things like, um, in a lot of ways, iPhones tend to be like less customizable than, um, like Android devices, um, or, um, the ways that different Apple computers or phones increasingly like won't play nice with other kinds of, um, other kinds of devices. Like Lucas was saying, they've like lost certain kinds of ports and drives and things. Um, and so whenever like they release a new, um, a new upgrade like this, where they say like, oh, headphones will only work if they're using our, using this adapter or using like this specific kind of port. Part of me is like, feels really frustrated and is like, oh, this is just another way I have to do things Apple's way. But then when I will like consent and give in, I'm like, oh, it like really does work well though. (laughs) And like, this is really probably the best way to do this. Um, so yeah, I kind of like, I had mixed feelings about the headphone announcement, um, just because that is such like a standard um, sort of universal um, port, but at the same time, um, yeah, I would probably agree that this is this feels like a step forward in terms of technology, and they're absolutely making ways to accommodate people who are still going to be using older kinds of headphones. It also made me think about how when app- iPhones moved from the old charging port that was wider, what was it yeah. like? Yeah, I don't remember how. 30 pin. Yeah, exactly, to now the lightning port, and how everyone was so upset about it. And, you know, they have all these accessories that go with that port. And um, and I understand that frustration, but at some point we have to innovate. You know, I would hate to have a phone with that old port. It was so big and clunky. And this, <laughs> the port that we have now, I think is a lot better. And I think innovation definitely takes time for adjustment but it has to be done um i did however uh, love all the critique of apple when they said that courage was their reason oh yeah yeah and the reason 
reaction to that was really great online. Now, some people have asked why we would remove the analog headphone jack from the iPhone. Well, the reason to move on, I'm going to give you three of them, but it really comes down to one word, courage. The courage to move on, do something new that betters all of us. And our team has tremendous courage. I, I, I don't even like fault them that much because I understand why you would say that courage is the reason for getting rid of the Applejack. Or Apple, yeah, the not Applejack. I like it. Applejacks. Applejack. <laughs> um, the headphone jack. But like, I kind of like, I, I kind of agree. Like you do have to be a little courageous to like trust that people will stick with you. Um, but just to bring that up in an announcement was hilarious. <laughs> and to like on Twitter, anytime Apple does anything to now that we can say like, oh, courage is a, it's a great punchline that I'm happy to have. The AV yeah. Club had a great write up just about the keynote that just kept bringing it back to like courageously. They, they use the word courageous like a dozen times. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the other thing I have to comment on is, you know, they released or they announced um, new Pokemon Go functionality with the Apple Watch. And to do so, yeah. they brought out the president or CEO of Niantic. And maybe I was just projecting on him, but I just felt so bad for him because he just seemed like somebody who was exhausted after the summer they had. <laughs> he, like, he made some offhanded comment about, like, or joke that was like, over at Niantic, we've had a big summer. And I was like, oh, man, like, how many sleepless nights and like whiskeys are wrapped up in that like we had a big summer and i just that's the company that i feel so feel for because they made an amazing app but like nobody could have ever expected that it would blow up in the way that it did and that just had to have been a dream come true and an absolute nightmare for that company sure. yeah i saw an article that i want to mention briefly um and it's completely speculative but it was someone saying that uh this is just a complete shot in the dark but the all of Apple's pushes towards a wireless future may indicate some kind of inside knowledge or industry speculation on their part that some kind of breakthrough in mobile battery technology is coming in the next couple years because all of these, like, the headphones, um, the cell phones, the headphone uh, charging, all these different things... Are, uh, the big disadvantage is that all of them need batteries, right? And so as much as it's like nice to declutter your space and you don't have to have cables anymore, like battery life is the huge stopping point for all this stuff. But if there's some kind of indication that battery technology is about to take huge step forward, um, having all the infrastructure in place to accept that readily would be really, really great. And it would make them look like, yeah, we were already good to go with this and now all your stuff lasts for a week. Um, so I was fine to latch onto that because of how much I wanted it to be true, but I just <laughs> thought it was interesting in general, and I wanted to share that. I think it was on uh, Mashable, but um, you can check out that article there. Uh, do you all see yourself using the new wireless AirPods? I adore the way they look. I love the idea of them. Ever since watching the movie Her, I have wanted something like that. Mm. Um, I cannot afford to spend that kind of money on wireless Earpods right now, um, maybe down the line, or if they ever drop in price, I would love to make that jump. But that's not something I can do right now. The technology behind them is absolutely amazing, and that is exactly what I want from wireless um, headphones. Any any wireless technology, that's exactly what I want. You just put it close to the device, 
and you hit connect and that's it. Mm-hmm. I have Bluetooth headphones and this is totally first word problems here, but I hate switching back and forth between my Mac and my phone with those headphones mm-hmm. <laughs> and doing that with the earpods is going to be so much easier. But again, I'm kind of with Sandra. It's like 150 bucks. We'll, we'll wait on that. <laughs> right. right. I already have so many yeah. Bluetooth headphones is the thing. All right. Right now, if I didn't have yeah. any Bluetooth headphones, I'm. it might be something I was considering, but I have yeah. several sets of Bluetooth headphones that I really like that will yep. work for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think for the technology, Apple is charging a very reasonable price for those. Um, but it's not the fly off the shelves price. Like right. I think in five years they'll be fifty bucks and then you can't keep a hold of them. Yeah, I have no doubt they're like amazing technology. And that's why it does kind of make me sad that they it'll probably be a while before they're like as ubiquitous as um like the current earpods. Or yeah, yeah, I think it's called earpods. Um, but yeah, it looks like they are like gonna be pretty stunning devices to use. Okay, well that was the Apple keynote. Uh, let's go ahead and move into our main topic for the week. Today for our main topic, we are discussing the first two episodes of Atlanta. Uh, It's a new half-hour dramedy on FX created by and starring uh, Donald Glover, uh, whom you may know as uh, he was an NBC writer. He played Troy on Community. He performs as Childish Gambino. Uh, He's had a few other uh, smaller roles. And for many people, he is the sort of dream casting for Spider-Man. There was a campaign a, a few years ago to try and get him cast for Spider-Man. And he ended, he does have a new, a small role in the new film, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah, Is that right? Undisclosed. Okay. okay. So Probably, yeah. Atlanta, this new FX show, is sort of equal parts creative journey and family dynamics. Uh, it covers the career of an emerging rapper along with his cousin-turned-manager uh, and their friends and family. The show is currently two episodes into a 10-episode first season. Uh, Those two first episodes are currently available online. Um, So yeah, today we've all watched those two episodes and we want to talk about it. What are some of y'all's initial reactions to Atlanta? I would start off by saying that before I watched the show, I was really stunned by a lot of the trailers that came out for Atlanta. Um, Yes. I would highly recommend everyone go watch the trailer called Inhale. Um, it's mm-hmm. this dual screened trailer that is really, really stunning. I was so in love with that trailer that I was almost just satisfied just watching that trailer and not watching the show. <laughs> I was kind of like, that's it. I've experienced Atlanta. Like, Oh yeah, it was beautiful. And they did the, like this reverse motion effect, um, on several of the other trailers, uh, to Tame Impala songs. And it was just, uh, beautiful. I, I was already excited because I love all the stuff that I've heard and seen from Donald Glover as a creative, but this show, with those trailers alone, I was hyped. Yeah, I feel like the visuals of this show in general um, are just fantastic. Like, it looks really, really good. Mm -hmm. Like, from the 
from the the typography that they use to the just the visual style of the directing. Um, it's directed by who's Hiro Morai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who's done a he's done a couple of uh, Childish Gambino's music videos and stuff like that. Which um, are all gorgeous. Yes, yes. Um, but it is it's just really beautiful, and I like if. Watch it on the highest quality thing you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really loved the first two episodes. Um, for me, the main draw was definitely Donald Glover. Uh, he is one of those performers where uh, just about anything he's doing, if I see his name attached to something, I'm going to immediately be a lot more interested. Um, he was one of my favorite parts of Community. Um, but I feel like there's like lots of different versions of Donald Glover that exist when he performs. Um, and his role on this show really feels like a sort of sweet spot between the, like, silly goofiness of Troy from Community and some of the, like, harder, maybe less approachable edges of Childish Gambino. So his character on this show, um, is a much, like, smarter and, um, in some ways more serious character than Troy, but you still get, um, Glover's, like, amazing comedic chops. He still kind of has this, like, boyish playfulness to him. Um, I laughed a lot watching this show, and I wouldn't just, it's definitely not just like simply a comedy, uh, but I laughed a lot. Um, all of the main leads have um, just great timing. Um, so yeah, I was really pleased. I really enjoyed these first couple episodes, and I am absolutely going to keep watching it. Yeah, this, from just the two episodes that I've seen, the moments of comedy, I think, really stand out in these beautiful ways because he does a great job of weaving them into serious moments. Um, you know, saying things to, like, he has a daughter on the show and, you know, making jokes about, like, is this an appropriate home for you to grow in is both, like, very funny and also very, like, sad and serious at the same time. <laughs> There's... um a moment in the second episode that had me dying laughing, but it's taking place inside of an argument that's really heartbreaking and sad to watch. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that I think is incredibly impressive to be able to showcase those dramatic moments that are really important to be shown and weaving comedy within them. Um, mm -hmm. is, I think I, I really appreciate that about this show. Another thing that I want to mention that I loved about this was, uh, I'll actually just read this Emily Nussbaum tweet. Uh, Atlanta, Queen Sugar, and One Mississippi. Big year for Southern shows that feel like they're actually set in the South. Absolutely. Like, yeah, the sense of place in this was, it didn't feel exaggerated. It, it just felt so authentic. I know that um, living in Nashville, a lot of people say it's kind of on its way to Atlanta, but I've been to Atlanta a couple times on business and stuff, and it was very, like, the the way that people exist in this city um, and the kind of shots and getting around and everything are just right on. Yeah, for me, for me, it kind of gave off a, uh, a Breaking Bad vibe, which may seem weird, but just this, um, More like this kind of we're going to break. I'm done. <laughs> It turns out I am not the one leaving the podcast. It will be Lawson. We just made it. We just we need a super cut of Lawson saying I'm done after making a pun. Just Seriously. But he's not done. He's not done. He's never done. <laughs> no, but it, it, it did remind me of Breaking Bad just in the fact that like the first episode just kind of I feel like and really the second just kind of sets you up and like, all right, this is where these characters are and we're going to take you on a journey from where they are now to 
a point down the road where you can kind of see where they can get to um, and just what that journey looks like. Mm. Um, and I think, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch and really also, I think difficult, <laughs> difficult to watch and kind of sad. Um, but I, I, I think it set up the show really well and I'm really excited about it. I also love that it is, um, kind of at its core, like the driving story of the show is the story of this new emerging artist. And obviously that is nothing new, like in any pop culture medium, especially in TV, it's nothing <laughs> new to have a show be about somebody starting and building a creative project. Um, but this is definitely different from um, any other like new artist show that I've seen. Um, the second episode really um, dives a lot more into some of the dynamics of um, this artist. Uh, his stage name is Paperboy, right? Yeah, Paperboy. Um, yep. As he kind of starts to like encounter some small amount of fame just in his local community um and as he kind of like tries to figure out how that changes relationships with the people around him and the expectations people have for him um and yeah like y'all were saying doing it in a very specific place doing it in the south um it felt different from just here's how here's how somebody starts a tv show in new york or here's how somebody becomes a musician in nashville it felt like right. oh this is how someone emerges on the hip-hop scene like in the sort of in the deep south um, and yeah, I'm going to be really curious to see kind of how that grows and just how far they're going to want to take mm -hmm. Paperboy's yeah. career as the show develops. Yeah, because its namesake is Atlanta. You know, at some point, if it's if his career gets big enough, he might not be in that city and like how that will play <laughs> out with it is going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I'm the aspect of the show. Again, this is no big surprise that I'm the most interested in is the relationship between Donald Glover's character and the mother of his child. Um, I think that dynamic is going to be really, really interesting. It starts off with them and you can't, you don't really quite know what their status is. I still, after watching two episodes, it's still not clear. Um, yeah. They're obviously in some ways together. You know, they, this, the first episode opens with them in bed together and they, they make out a little bit, but um, then in other ways, you kind of get the sense that, oh, they're not officially a couple. They're, they might be seeing other people. And um, there are obviously issues in this relationship. And it's a dynamic that I think is very strange, but also that I have seen a lot, um, especially in people that I like grew up with. You know, this dynamic of having a kid together and then because of that, you're always with that person, even if you're not officially with that person. Um, yeah. And so I, I can't wait to see how that plays itself out. Uh, let's talk some about performances. Um, I recognize some of the faces in the show. Some of them are new to me. The one I was most excited to see that I kind of spent the whole first episode trying to figure out if I was recognizing him correctly was uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Um, I his, yeah. his first role that I saw him in was he... Uh, he was in Short Term 12, uh, a real small yep. film that came out a few years ago. And he, yeah. like, stole the show in that movie. Um, it's a movie yeah, I love, but definitely. he has just a couple scenes where he is, it's just obvious that, like, he's a really talented performer. He had a pretty big role in Selma, and he's had a few other roles along the way. Um, but, yeah, I was really excited to see him in this. He's filled out a bit, which is why I couldn't quite recognize him um, in Short Term 12. He's just, like, a baby, <laughs> and he's, like, pencil thin. Um, but I was also psyched to see that he has some great comedic chops too. Um, he's got a harder role. He's one of the most quiet characters. 
um, and definitely hasn't been featured as much as the other two leads. Um, but he has great timing. Um, I love his face, and yeah, he's somebody who I knew he could do drama, and I knew he could do heaviness, but I was excited to see that he can also get a lot of laughs. Yeah, I think Darius yeah. is going to be one of like the favorite characters of 2016 um, by the year, and I loved every moment he was on screen. Yeah, he does really good stoner comedy, too. Like, it didn't feel too over the top. It was just like, yeah, that is somebody, that is something somebody high would say. Like, mm-hmm. I, his timing and all that felt really authentic. Um, Glover, I thought, was... I mean, I think it's... Maybe I'm making the obvious choice to talk about his performance, but I thought it was... Uh, like you said, Brent, a really good cocktail of all of the different things that we've seen him do in the past, um, which I think makes for one of the most human performances I've ever seen him give because it's it strikes me as a person who really does go through the serious difficulties of getting through the day-to-day but that deals with certain stuff by joking about it or you know like like you said about the uh moment sander when he was making a joke to his like little daughter about like is this a good place for you to be like just dealing with um a real realm of human experience and not taking it with this huge enormous seriousness that uh, a show that claimed to just be a drama might or with the kind of light-hearted dismissal that a show that might claim to be a comedy would um the kind of genreless dramedy if you want to call it something place where atlanta lives i think uh is reflected perfectly and um carried a lot by glover's performance yeah so i, th- I think of the three the three leads um, definitely Lakeith Stanfield is, is my favorite. I think he has the the biggest acting chops, but all three of them do a fantastic job of just portraying their characters. And I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see, um, was it Brian, Brian Henry, the guy who plays the, the rapper paper boy. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does in this show. I feel like he, I, I, this is the first thing I, that I've seen him in. Um, but I think, I think he can do, he's done a lot with the performance he did in two episodes and I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah. It's just, I've, I can't think of many shows I've seen that have started off and felt like they were this full of potential. I don't know. It just feels like there's so many ways that this show could go and so many surprising routes it can take while these people are growing. And I just, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see where, because I feel like you could tell me three different plots for this, this series' <laughs> finale and I would believe any of them. Huh. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's exactly what you want from a show. Like, yeah, I feel like you can, I feel like you want to see like, okay, this is the direction the show's going. Um, but not have it plotted out. Cause I do feel like a lot of pilots, you're like, okay, by the end of the season, we're going to see, you know, the yeah. guy get back together with the girl and this is going to happen. And, and it's more about like how it could get here. Where is this? Or exactly. They'll get fired from their exactly. job or whatever, you know? Right. Right. Whereas this is a lot more open-ended, a lot more, I think, realistic. So. And tonally it's open-ended. Like they could, the end of the show could be like all of them try and try and try and never get there. And that would still feel like it was in line with what they were doing or they could get really big success and that would feel like it was in line with what they were doing so mm-hmm. yep yeah it's yep. i have so great. after watching these two episodes i have so many questions about all of these characters lives before this show started um and i'm very curious about whether they're going to address the backstory behind these characters 
or just leave that open-ended and just keep moving forward. Um, Especially, like, with Donald Glover's character, Earn, his relationship with his parents, his relationship with his girlfriend slash mother of his child, um, his relationship with his cousin, all these family dynamics that are obviously in a strained place when the show starts. I want to know how they became strained, um, and I'm curious whether the show will fulfill me in that. I think so. I think it will. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. I'm crossing (laughs) my fingers. This also feels like a kind of show that is able to... Uh, really like organically and really deftly touch on just some broader conversations happening in our culture right now, um, especially in the first episode, just in, in like very subtle ways. Um, it kind of plays with um, the dynamics of like relationships between black people and white people and things like the use of the N-word. Um, in the second episode, you've got a scene involving like... Um, Paperboy, uh, this emerging artist, um, walking up to a woman he doesn't know and her kids. He's heard the kids playing, and there's immediately some like really interesting gender dynamics that kind of shift as they start to realize like who Paperboy is. Um, and I feel like as the show goes on, it's it's already shown that it's willing to go into some pretty heavy, dark areas. And I won't be surprised at all if they're able to to use the show to touch on a lot more of the conversations that are happening right now in our in our country related to. Um, issues of race and issues of social justice um, and it never at all it never feels like it's a very special episode of a TV show because uh, it just these conversations fit really naturally into the lives of these characters and the, their particular social location yeah alrighty do we have any other big thoughts to share about this I think we're all excited for it I think everyone should watch it if you get a chance and I think FX is killing it Absolutely. with their programming so uh, oh yeah! I've been watching. You're the worst. Um, I haven't started Better Things yet, but I'm excited That's too. Probably what I'll be feeling next week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I couldn't figure out a way to watch You're the Worst since it's on FXX, and so we bought the iTunes like season pass for it. Yeah. And one of the cool things about that is you get to download it the next day and all this stuff. But before and after, they show previews for other FX shows, and it's amazing to watch that to just be like. That show looks incredible. That show looks incredible. That show looks great. Like, yeah, FX is doing really, really great things right now. And, I mean, they're getting great reviews. Atlanta has amazing reviews pretty much across the board. So I think our reviews would uh, echo those sentiments and well done, FX. Definitely. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in this week. Uh, We had a lot of fun, and we appreciate you listening in. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. You can find us there. Uh, we'd also love you to follow us on Twitter. Um, feel free to hit us up there. Our handle is feeling it pod. Uh, and then let's go around the circle. Tell people where they can find us online. Uh, Lawson. I'm Lawson Soward. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter or letterboxd at Lawson West. Um, yeah. Go over and say, Hey, Lucas. I'm Lucas Wright. You can find me at Lucas and Stuff on Letterboxd, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out what I'm watching. I'm on all of those social platforms as well. I've just started using Letterboxd a lot more recently. So go follow me there and see all of the fun 80s movies that I've been in the mood to watch lately. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a series. Um, And (laughs) you can find me on all of those places at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And I am Brent Bailey. Please keep in touch with me. Find me on social media. Um, I'm on most platforms under the handle 
B-R-P-A-B-A. And yeah, I would love to keep in touch. So thanks so much. Tune in next week on Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Adios. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 